Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. You are listening to episode 320 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And today I wanted to cover a topic that we haven't talked much about in the past. We're going to talk about thrusting for intercourse. But before I tell you all about our episode, I know that this episode goes live a week before Valentine's. And I know me, many people start planning for their Valentine's around that time. And if you are looking for a sexy way to get your partner in the mood or yourself in the mood, if you want to have some fun, sexy time for Valentine's Day, I can help you with that. I know many of the couples I work with, they feel sexually bored. For that reason, I curated a list of nine foreplay ideas that have worked for many of my my client throughout the years. I went through the list of the things we talked about and I chose top nine ideas. It's a gift to you. It's completely free from me. You can download it in our show notes to get inspiration. We have even included some recommendation for sex toys because I know that's a common question that many couples ask me. So make sure you are downloading it ahead of time or maybe you can review it with your partner so you guys can decide a few options for that night. As I mentioned, today we're going to talk about techniques for thrusting. We're going to talk about common mistakes men make when thrusting. We're going to talk about what are some of the best positions that will help you to maximize your movement. We're going to talk about some of our favorite loops. It's always we're going to talk about loops because that those are one of the few things that people are not taking advantage of them enough, based on my opinion. Our guest is Miranda. Many people know her as Pleasure Babe. I watched her YouTube video and I found them very interesting and informative. I believe her channel is Pleasure Babe. We're going to talk about in the episode, Miranda is devoted to addressing taboo topics by allowing everyone to openly talk about their pleasure experiences as well as the unpleasurable. Making the uncomfortable comfortable, she's passionate about helping others explore their sexuality by guiding them into their pleasure. You can read her full bio in the show notes. I wanted to thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. If you're looking for a better night's sleep, look no further than Cozy Earth. I own both their sheets and their sleepwear. What I really like about their sheet is how comfortable they are. And I love that they're temperature regulated. So you your body wouldn't get too hot during the night. If you would like to check out their product and get 40% off, use the code sexology and you can find the link in the show notes. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Miranda. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have this wonderful sex educator, Miranda, on our show today. Miranda, welcome to our show. 
Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye. I am very excited. I know I was just sharing with you that I found you through the YouTube channel that you had. And your channel is filled with really good, actionable tips. Because people at times, like you, you see the same kind of like a vague instruction and in, online. But I find with your channel, you're just not holding it back. You're giving the information. And you had this great video on trusting techniques. And I think that would be great for us to talk about. But before we go into that, how did you get into the world of sex education? That's a good question. Kind of like growing up, I've always been really curious about even just how babies were made. I would always ask my mom like the most inappropriate questions that a child could ask. My mom's in medicine and then my dad's also in mental health medicine. So I had kind of like the perfect structure around me to dig and ask these questions. But around like my high school years, I started to get like a bit a little bit more promiscuous trying to kind of find my way. I did express that kind of through hypersexual activity. And there's a lot of things that I learned along the way that I was like, wow, well, that could have been avoided or I wish I would have known. And as I got older and like I'm 27 now, when I was 25, I kind of started this journey because I realized a lot of people were coming to me with questions because I was so open to talk about my sex life and my experiences. And I just felt like, hey, why don't I turn this into knowledge that I can share with other people that maybe don't have somebody like myself in their lives and that don't have those resources or that feel shame around the topic talking about sex. And so I kind of started making TikTok and then I started adding it into my Instagram and then I kind of lost everything, but I didn't give up. And I was like, no, this just that shutting everything down was the universe testing me, seeing how much I want this, seeing how much I'm passionate about it. And so with that, I decided to journey YouTube where I could have freedom of expression and I could talk about these topics. And if people wanted to join the journey, they're more than welcome to. And I just kind of ended up taking off and I had an audience and like this audience has grown so much and it just kind of helps back my journey up and my movement of kind of breaking through the stigma and the cultural norm to shift it into the new paradigm of what we like to call intimacy. I love that. What a beautiful story. It's unfortunate how social media shut down and banned accounts. Even like, you know, as a psychologist, I talk about sexual health, even with my content, they bring it down and she's like, wild to be that like you cannot talk about any type of pleasure but I'm glad that you found a way to stay on YouTube I hope you'll remain there I know that they also at times limit people but I think your content is great so one of the videos that I watched that I mentioned was a fantastic was about thrusting and I get that yeah. question a lot from my male clients they were saying because you're kind of curious how important is trusting strategy and techniques in order for for them to be a good lover? Yeah. So for me personally, and what I like to tell people is thrusting is a large component. However, that being said, the number one thing that I want everybody to remember is that communication is the number one. So in order for you to know, engage how important you're thrusting and what style of thrusting you're doing, you need to be able to openly communicate with your partner. Now, when it comes down to just straight up thrusting, I do think it is important. I think it's important for a couple of different things, like how you don't want to finish fast, how you don't want to overstimulate somebody, how you don't want to hurt somebody. Just like overall performance level, I would say. Yeah, I would say thrusting does definitely play a, a decently sized large role. <laughs> but but, but I, I agree with you. I think that's like every step when I think about sex, like I feel like every step is important and you have to kind of in a way 
make sure you do get good enough job at different parts of this sexual script. So the first part is like being, as you mentioned, communication all along. And we had like episodes on foreplay because you want to make sure your partner is aroused enough because you can be a wonderful lover and you have the best thrusting technique. But if your partner is not aroused, then that wouldn't be as pleasurable or the body couldn't be wouldn't be as excited. So as you mentioned, that it, it it is an important kind of like a pillar, but it's not the only pillar. But when think about people think about rusting, I hear a lot of my clients complaining about it. So in heterosexual client that I see, a female, like cisgender female, they're telling me that their partner does like this hammerjack thing that they've seen in porn and it feels so <laughs> unpleasant. So I haven't yeah. heard someone being great at trusting, but definitely heard that complaint. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a few complaints that are pretty standard across the board. But like you had even mentioned about like adult entertainment and porn, especially when it's non-ethical porn i find there's a complete twist on what actually feels pleasurable versus what they want you to perceive as pleasure and that jackhammer thing i think we can all say we've met the jackhammer before (laughs) and like i'm not trying to break any concrete here so let's keep everything functioning fine (laughs) what are other mistakes that men make when it comes to thrusting I think another common one would definitely be not enough variety. Like, so like sticking to the same hip motion, sticking to the same speed, the same depth, um, the jackhammer, obviously. Yeah. And I think in porn as well, they really put emphasis on that going deep, being the deepest, you that they love it deep. But it's like, no, there has to be a certain amount of steps before you can have that level of deep penetration in order to receive cervical orgasm let's say like you have to for that deep penetration you have to be very well lubricated as well as very aroused for it to feel good or you can get cervical cramping and then that's just not pleasurable at all i agree with you and that's something that again that's another misconception that i also hear then that people think about there is this better type of orgasm if the orgasm is cervical orgasm it's better and they just go for it without the partner's body being prepared and you brought up such a great point about lubrication like and lubrication can come from all sorts of places right that if you're i don't know like having intercourse for 35 minutes or even 20 minutes and your body is not aroused or maybe things are changing in your diet you might need additional help right and if you're not using lube it's gonna be uncomfortable i love lube so much and when people say oh but you're young like you don't need lube i'm like i started using lube when i was 18 i'm like there is, is sometimes like for me antidepressants or anxiety medication that is something that makes me very thirsty that make tends to make me a little bit more in the drier side and it's like life it ebbs and flows my wetness ebbs and flows there's sometimes where i could be extremely aroused and I could be dry. So I have bottles of lube on my nightstand and then I have a drawer or a little bit dresser drawer that's also filled with different ones too. And I think that's super important for everybody, whether you be a penis owner or a vulva owner, there's no shame behind lubrication and it doesn't mean you're dried up or you're old or you're not good enough. It's just like, just grab that bottle, babe. Like you're going to have so much pleasure if you just add that lubrication in. 
And yeah, especially when you're thrusting and you're adding in that extra air, potentially the motion is more air. And so you tend to just dry up and that's okay. That's part of it. I agree with you. I never get the idea that people have there's something wrong with using you because even different types of new help you to have different types of experiences. For example, if you're having sex and shower, then if you're using the right new, it helps you to feel more excited and more ready and have a better, better experience overall. So I, I agree with you that I recommend Lou for everyone to experiment with different types. And it's like a wine, I say, like there are different types, there are different a feeling to it. And it's a personal choice. What are some of your favorite ones? So I have a few. So Pure, I love Pure. It's P-J-U-R, I believe. Company from Germany. They have an amazing water-based anal lube, which is not common, but it has the same texture as like a silicone and it has the longevity of a silicone as well. However, they do make amazing silicone-based lubes too. Uber Lube is another one I'm absolutely obsessed with. And then for an oil-based lube, there's not very many that I've actually loved, but Woomore Play makes a really good coconut oil one. And I believe they're based out of Australia. But if even if like I don't have any lubrication, let's say I'm at like a play partner's house and maybe they don't have it. Coconut oil. Done. <laughs> one of my clients is so funny. said like, you know, my partner and I, they've been using coconut oil for for years. And now whenever I smell coconut, I feel aroused. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I haven't heard about the German one. Is it called Pier? It's interesting. Yeah, you are. You really should. They. I have four of them, like four different types, and that's kind of like my standard one. Never fails. Like I, I just love. I love their products so much, and I'm not sponsored by them or anything. <laughs> I just like solely. I'm just stock stalking them. I'm like, I don't even care. Who cares? I'll pay the thirty five <laughs> bucks for it. Oh, also, like Lilo has an amazing loop too. Are you familiar with Operant? Yeah, and Lilo was the first sex toy I got. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. I've been in a long relationship with Lilo, but I didn't know they, they have a new. Oh my gosh, it is so good. Next time you make a purchase, I highly suggest it. Their water-based lube, amazing. You know, when you were in the world of sexual health, I can imagine you could relate to, like, you think, you know, every product is out there, but I don't even know, like, I use Uber Lube. I know few of the things you mentioned, but there's so many of them that I haven't tried and I'm now curious about. But kind of going back to the thrust thing, <laughs> I got yeah. distracted for a second. So tell us what are different types of thrusting. So let's keep my ADHD on track here. So for two different types of thrusting we're going to talk about first, I think, is going to be fast versus slow and then shallow versus deep. To kind of like go through those first. Shallow is going to be where I wouldn't like to say more of the pleasure is going to be given. Because if you think about shallow penetration... Your G-spot is essentially like around like an inch to two inches inside the vaginal canal on the upper wall. So when you're staying nice and shallow, you're hitting all those nerve endings. Now with that coming from like a penis owner perspective, that's going to be really helpful and beneficial for not finishing fast. Staying in the lower area so that you can actually control what's going on and practice onto your edging. And it's, it's more stimulation for your partner essentially at the end of the day. Now with the deeper thrusting, 
Deep thrusting can also be really beneficial. Like we had talked about the cervical orgasms, but what needs to happen before you can achieve that? Well, you don't just come right out of the gates, hard, deep thrust. The first initial one might be deeper and that might feel good. But if you repeatedly do that, it's not going to feel good. You're going to desensitize your partner. You have potential to cause pain. You have potential of finishing faster and losing control. It's much harder to regulate your body and to pay attention to your play partner's body as well. Now, from the sides of looking at slow versus fast, slow is going to be definitely more intimate, more passionate. You can be aware of your body's expression, like what's feel, what you're feeling in your body, what your partner's experiencing. I can visually see those nonverbal cues. I'm more aware. There's more control that is into play for sure. More control, edge control, control for you not being able to finish just as fast as maybe you normally would. Now, when you add the pace of fast, fast is also great sometimes. Not that's why it's important to have that break in between both of the techniques so you can see when it's time to ramp things up. Maybe they're coming to the clo- to the point of orgasm. So you want to pick it up. Maybe that's the request and that's where that communication comes in. However, if you don't have those certain things, you also run the potential for friction, like unwanted friction. It can be very painful. And we all know the faster you go, the faster the penis is going to finish. So It's like, are we doing a quickie or are we doing it for experience? Are we blending our pleasure? Are we going to be doing this direct exchange of energy at more of like an intimate level? But I do think that those are kind of the four fundamentals of comparisons for thrusting, for sure. There's a few different techniques and you can let me know if like you want me to go right into that. I don't mind going into that. Oh, I love that. Do tell us more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one's going to be a little bit different in a sense that I want to talk about the actual hip motion and we're going to give them like little names just so you guys can kind of have an idea of what you're doing. The first one I want to talk about is hip riding. So hip riding is coming, we're always going to be talking coming from the giving standpoint. So whether it be like a strap, a dildo or an actual penis, whatever it might be. So with the hip riding, you would insert and you would do whatever emotions feels right in your body. So whether that's that rocking sensation, more of a grinding sensation, you kind of just go with what feels right. Then the next one is going to be the up and down motion. So the up and down motion is going to be you're going to drop your hips and you're going to insert and you're going to almost scoop up. So essentially you're doing like an up and down rocking motion, just like that. That one seems to be muddy for like a lot of ladies. Ladies love that one because your G-spot is being continually stimulated. The next one I want to talk about is the change up. So the switch between slow and fast, finding that break in between when it's right to elevate and when it's time to kind of like back off, whether you're teasing your partner, whether you're edging yourself, or maybe you are edging your partner as well. So with that goes into an upward curve. So an upward curve is more of the dropping of the pelvis and creating that U, that U motion. So you're not coming fully out and going all the way in. You're staying relatively shallow, trying to create that U shape. Now, for the opposite of the upward curve is a downward curve. So you want to be stimulating all the walls so that you could be doing drawing more of a circle this is where the grinding kind of comes into play and i think that's really important and actually all of these techniques is that less of the in and out sensation that porn shows us like the traditional just put it in linear very linear it's like no what feels good like you remember when you're at that middle school dance or you're trying to seduce your partner that grinding sensation 
Why does that work? Well, we're creating friction. We're creating friction on those pleasurable spots. And if you're pleasing a vulva, what's on the outside of the vulva? The clitoris. You're stimulating the clitoris, the clitoral legs, and your internal as well. So that grinding sensation really covers all of the bases. So the next time that you are thrusting, remember to check in with yourself. It's almost like you're dancing. You want to have that sensation and that rolling in your hips, the movement of the rocking back and forth, not so much the in and out because the in and out is where the jack and hammer just tends to come out. <laughs> well, so many great pointers. I, I love that you talked about different options and how that could be a good fit for different position and different type of experience. And I think that's, that's amazing. And I can imagine there's also a different fit, like people have different size of body parts, different anatomy. So it's helpful to have few of those skills in your back. So maybe something that feels great with one lover, then you want to kind of like maybe try something else with, with another person if they, they are, that doesn't feel good for them. And I think the other thing that you were talking about, I was thinking about is that the idea of helping people to last longer. It's, it is an interesting thing. I feel sometimes that in heterosexual couples, people don't prepare their female partner, right? So they that I feel the pressure of they have to go on and on and not, like not finish. So that's part of the problem. But it's good to know that even when you are having intercourse with your partner, you can adjust the position and the thrusting to help you last longer. Does the position make a difference? So when we're doing the thrusting, I know you talked about like different kind of like a different adjustment, but do you have suggestions for position? For positions to to get them to last a little bit longer, honestly, anything that keeps you relatively shallow because you're less, you're less going to have that full glide of the foreskin or just of the shaft in general being simulated. Yes, the head of the penis is going to be a lot more sensitive than actual shaft itself, but it's that overall friction that they're feeling. So spooning, something that most couples do at nighttime or in the morning for the cuddles. When the booty is backed up into you, that doesn't give you much room to go deep. So there's a little bit more control you can have there. You can have your hands on your hip, on the back of their hips and not allowing you to go as deep. Or if you do feel like you want a little bit more control, they can bend forward a little bit more. But because spooning, spooning works so well because of not letting you penetrate as deeply as you would. The next one would probably be a variation of doggy style. Doggy style can be quite visual. You could get quite deep. So we want to decrease that because we're trying to last a little bit longer. So if you get your partner to lie on their stomach flat, their butt will essentially do the same thing as the spooning will do, where it will block the, the depth of penetration, allowing you to gain more control and pull back without all of the crazy visual stuff because the visual stuff gets the majority of males because they're visually stimulated. You see something and you get aroused. So this shows you less of a show, but sometimes less of the show is necessary in the moment. <laughs> I like that. Another one that I like to say, and people seem to be a little bit confused on why I think this, but actually the girl on top. Yes, it's like a beautiful scene, but if she leans forward a little bit, that's not going to allow you to come in deeper. And that way, if you don't have control over your orgasm, maybe your partner will know your cues and will know how to edge you. And that's why it's important for you to know how to edge yourself as well as your partner to know how to edge themselves so that I know when you're getting to that 10 second point, the 10 second point of no return. Once we hit that, we we got to back up. So it's like stop all motion 
And then this way, when you're on top, you can engage a lot more with like touching. It doesn't need to be the thrusting and the penetration. It can be engaging and like caressing or kissing or drawing attention to other parts of the body. And my favorite position of all is lotus. Now, if you're playing with somebody who is maybe relatively new, this might be a little bit too intimate for you. However, if you're doing with somebody who will enjoy something this intimate, then I definitely suggest it, not even just for lasting longer, but just for that pure connection that you will be experiencing with your partner. And it happens when your partner is sitting, or you, the penis owner, are sitting on a chair or on a bed propped up, and their legs wrap around you. So I'm sitting on your lap and we're really engaged. So our bodies are really close. We can make eye contact. We can make this a really sensual space. It also is low penetration. There's absolutely no way you can drill somebody in this position. There's no way you can fall out which is also good. There's no room for extra air to come in and it's shallow again. But you're shallow enough where you're grinding and you're stimulating her clitoris and you're getting the full sensation that you need. And for me personally, I've had, this is like a hit across the board. I haven't had one person be like, no, I don't want to do that. They don't know what I'm doing, but (laughs) I'm just like, let's get control over this. You're getting carried away. So those those would be my my favorite ones. Great, great suggestions. And I think the variety of different kind of like the visual kind of stimulation possibility of what you like and what your partner likes with different body types. You know, there are like different different options, which which is great. I always make this joke with my friend that I must be in love with someone if I'm doing a lotus. <laughs> it's like very intimate, eye gazing, like almost, I know they are something similar in tantra, but it's very tantric and it's very connected. It is, it is. And that, that could be why I'm biased to loving it so much is because I kind of, and not that this is wrong at all, we all go through our phases and some people genuinely lo- love the, them sleeping with multiple partners or maybe they're polyamorous or they're in an open relationship relationship. For me personally, now that I've come to this stage in my sexuality, that lotus position is what I want. I want that deeper connection. I want that intimacy. There's a time for rough sex, but when I pull out the lotus, you know, like that's what I want. I want that sensual, that desire. I want to build that connection, that tantric experience, like think our breath together, exchange that energy because sex is, sexual energy is the strongest form of energy. It's what lands us as human beings on this earth. So the things that we can do to cultivate with that energy is just astronomical and untangible, honestly. Like, it's just beyond belief. So when you're building that connection, you're sinking your breath, you're looking at each other and you're gazing, you're really feeding each other energetically and you're you're get, you're getting everything, all the gold in one. I agree with you. And I think there is pure magic when people do sinking of breathing, you know, kind of going back to tantric practices or practices for that, which is very powerful for for communication piece. I think that is a very tricky one because many women are socialized to almost perform during sex. Like what they feeling is different than what they are expressing, right? Like something would be they're moaning, they're pretending it's amazing. And it doesn't sound, feel like in their body, it's like feels okay. How do you recommend people to give feedback in the heat of moment? Do you, do you tell them to give feedback? Yes. Feedback is key. If you are with like a partner that you've been with and you've seen like consistent things and you're just kind of getting to the point where you're like, 
I need to say something. I don't know how to say it. If you're not in the moment, definitely pick a time when you know you're not going anywhere. Like your timing, your turf and your tone. Like that. that is like huge for a multitude of reasons. However, if you are in the moment, just saying like, even if you say something, just like slow down or the, it's all about the tone of your voice or they do something that you like, give them that compliment. I love it when you do that. Touch me this way. Some people will have larger egos. It will take a little bit longer. And that's when the conversation needs to come out of the bedroom. But in the moment, tell them the things that you love. Because when your partner hears that, that fuels their ego. They're like, oh, they like that. I'm going to do that. I'm, Or you want to do a certain position. There's nothing wrong with taking control and being like, I want to go on top. Just state it like sex is supposed to be fun. It's messy. It's smelly. It's all of the things. So it's only as awkward as you allow it to be. If you approach the situation not awkward and you just come out and say it, that will decrease the feeling of your partner feeling awkward. Now, I'm not going to promise you it's not going to be awkward because the more you start to vocalize, the better you will get. That first one will be like, just go rip the bandaid off. I remember my first time doing it and I used to be a chronic orgasm faker. And that's another reason why I started this whole thing was like, what are you doing? Like, why am I performing for you? It's a people pleasing mode that you get put into. It's like, I'm putting my orgasm last so that your ego doesn't hurt and you don't feel good. Well, then why did I even show up? Why didn't I just let you masturbate, right? Why do we love sex? Well, I'm going to find out why we love sex. So I remember the first time I was with a long-term partner and I said, I didn't, I didn't act at all. I just did whatever felt right in the moment. And I didn't, I didn't come. And that's fine. I spanked him. I was like, that, I don't need to come. Like I, as long as I'm experiencing pleasure, that's okay. The orgasm isn't the goal. The connection is the goal. The pleasure that I'm getting from you is the goal. And he's like, well, you orgasm every time. And then that opened up a bigger conversation. That was a harder conversation to have. It's like, I'm sorry, but I haven't been honest. But there's no way for me to fix that without addressing it. So yeah, we kind of put the blame on ourselves in that situation. But we have to be accountable for that. And if you want to make change like anything in life, you have to do it. Going behind your partner's back and complaining to your girlfriends or complaining to your friends or your therapist isn't going to help the situation. The person that you actually need to address is your partner. And that's why we both agree like communication is number one for sure. And obviously consent. Consent and communication, the two C's. <laughs> I like that. Like those are so, so important. And sometimes if we have, we are hooked on this people pleasing narrative, it gets in the way of us being clear about both, right? That sometimes people don't give enthusiastic yes because just they feel pressure. They don't want their partner to feel hurt. Or the same, like when you're faking orgasm, she's so common. Like it's not something that one person dies and it's not a myth. Whenever I talk to people at times, so they tell me that they, they've done it or that was last time they had sex, they faked it. I am such a bad actress. <laughs> And I think like once I tried to fake it when I was like my 20s and that was an epic failure. The guys are like, what, what was that? That was my orgasm. I'm surprised, when, <laughs> I'm surprised when women can do that. I think it's the next level of acting. Yeah. And like, it's like you, if you look at adult entertainment, I can look at that and be like, yeah, that was not real. That was not real at all. And that sucks because growing up, I watched tons of porn. That's how I learned my acting skills. Well, it's like, oh, okay, she orgasms, she screams, she screams. Okay, so I'm going to scream. I'm going to just be so dramatic 
that they're going to think that they're the best at sex. It's like, yeah, but that's when we fake these orgasms, we're not teaching them anything. So I bet you if you put all of the female or the vulva owner clients that you have in a room and you ask them how how many times have you faked an orgasm with your partner? A large portion of them would say, yeah, I have. And then you couple those men, the same men that are their partners, and you put them in the other room and you ask them, do you think your partner's ever faked an orgasm? No, ever. They would never do that. They say I'm the best in bed. And like, I joke about this with my masculine friends all the time. I'm just like, you don't think she's ever faked an orgasm? It's like, I've never had a girl. I'm like, dude, you have slept with over 50 women. You're trying to tell me that none of them have faked an orgasm, that you have a clean track record. I'm sorry, but that's not true. <laughs> and that, that like sets back the penis owners for actually being able to give pleasure because they're coming at it in an egocentric way. And they're like, I already am the best, but you haven't experienced everyone's vulva. You haven't experienced everyone's pleasure. Every body is completely different. Just like their penis might be shifted to the left, the other one might be straight or the other one might be curved up or down. It's you. Everybody is different. Just you guys can see. We can't always see the layout for us. And like same goes for I was just having a talk with one of my clients about clitoral stimulation. We were talking. I was talking her through a yoni massage. And she's like, why is it that I feel way more sensation on the left side of my labia? than I do on the right side. I was like, well, we can work on adding sensation to that right side. However, did you know that? Were you aware of that before? Well, no, I wasn't aware of it until now. Great, that's an awesome thing to tell your partner because you know that side receives stimulation right now. Tell them that so they can stimulate that side a little bit more so you can maximize your pleasure. So many great points. And I think the embodiment piece that you're talking about, it's huge because when we are faking things and we are in our mind, not like focusing on on our head to how it's supposed to look like, then we are just not even noticing what it feels in our body truly because we're completely in our head. And I think the other piece that, that you mentioned that was great is that sometimes the partners, they have no idea and you can be a good lover and your partner still might not have an orgasm for a number of different reasons. Maybe they had an anxiety provoking day, they had stress, they're just not in the mood. I know that many people, including myself, don't mind having sex and not reaching an orgasm at times. But of course, if the partner is selfish and they're not attending to your pleasure, that's different. But sometimes it's about connection and you you know you're not in a mindset or you don't have the energy to invest in kind of like going all the way. And if your partner says that they're okay with kind of like having an experience without an orgasm and they might not have anything to do with you. Exactly, exactly. And like even for like other people listening, even for as much as I do know my body and I know my partner's body, I'm still learning every day, right? And the other night I just I just had sex for pleasure and he didn't necessarily understand when I was explaining that to him. He's like, well, like I feel bad. I'm like, I feel great. I'm like, I feel great, but I knew for me that I saw my orgasm leave really early in it. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be very present in my body. I'm just going to try to feel these sensations throughout. And I think that's important for people to remember that like no matter what stage you are, you could be like a sex god and you might not orgasm every single time, especially like as vulva owners, A plus B plus C equals D. 
But sometimes we get lost in all of that. Like it's something as simple as I always make the joke is somebody says one wrong thing. And it's like, oh, there she goes. It's gone. <laughs> and, it, and unfortunately, it is like that for, for Volvo. Sometimes it's just one thing could go wrong and it's gone. It, it's not as simple. And that's that's why we're working. And that's why we're bringing out these topics to kind of branch that orgasm gap and close it because the orgasm gap has a it's multifaceted. There's different factors that come into every so the whole thing in general. I agree with you. And kind of like having the tools and strategy is part of it, but also communication, as you mentioned, with your partner of like what they want, what kind of experience they want to have. And you're co-creating it with them. I think it's really, really important. I love all the gems that you're dropping here. And I bet our listeners want to know where they can get a hold of you, where can they get more of your material. So if people want to learn more about you, what are some of the places that they can go to? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say my YouTube is Pleasure Baby, and that's going to be kind of like the cream of the stuff. Like you're going to have the raunchiness mixed with the sex education mixed with those tough conversations that people don't want to have. So I usually pull my YouTube content from my DMs on Instagram. So whether you are commenting on my YouTube feed or whether you're in on my Instagram at Pleasure Baby as well, that is the best way you can reach me right now. I also have a, like an email set up on my account. So it's for serious business inquiries only. And that's where I will take my one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So currently right now, I'm working on setting up my website for one-on-one -on -one coaching. So that should be launching sometime in the new year, probably around February. But for now, I would say to get a hold of me and contact me is either through the email or through my DMs on Instagram as well. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show. Thank you so much for being so generous with teaching the strategies and techniques that I can see that whoever gets to work with you, they're lucky because you you have so many great actionable tips. And I hope you have a, a great remainder of the year. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Trusting is an important aspect of sexual activity and it can be a source of discomfort or even pain. But if it's done correctly, that can take your sex life to the next level. Some of the common mistakes that I often hear from my clients is that the person who do the penetration, they're going too deep, too fast because what they've seen in the porn and that became very uncomfortable. The other issue is thrusting too hard as we talk about equally important not paying attention to body language of our partner can also be a mistake because sometimes maybe our partner they're not saying no but we don't see that they're excited about it so it's really important to communicate with your partner and experience to find what works best for you too. You can even send this episode to them and listen to it together. At the end, I wanted to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. After a long day, there's nothing better than changing it to your comfortable PJ. That's something I do every day after I log off, whether I'm seeing clients in, in my home office or my actual office, and I change to my Cozy Earth PJ. What I like about that is just they're very soft, 
breathable and they're gentle on your skin, then they look classy. One of the things that's important for me to choose a sleeper that doesn't impact my sex life. I know many people wear their old t-shirt in bed or things that are stained, things that they don't want to wear outside. And that's definitely impacting how you show up for yourself in the bedroom and also at times desire of your partner. So my invitation for you is treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and sustainability by getting cozy earth material. Make sure you're using our promo code sexology to get 40% off. Thank you. Thanks for listening to sexology podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.